0: Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street. And I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics of conversation will include ghosts and the paranormal, psychic ability, we discuss truthful things. I am an incest and rape survivor and sometimes I talk about it on the podcast. Spirituality, God, atheism, agnosticism, Buddhism, Christianity, Mm. kink, BDSM, LGBTQIA. Corporate America from the perspective of a woman's eyes. Let's see what else. Ancestors, honoring them. Showing up on the regular to talk to him. Yeah. Some of these topics can be triggering for some people. And if they're not quite your flavor, it's okay. I understand you can go ahead and step away. And if this is what you're interested in, great. I I, I expect you will use your discernment in this process. I expect that you're responsible for that. If uh, mental health stuff is kicking up for you, please consider going to talk to a licensed board certified therapist, someone who can give you context clues and give you some resources. Uh, That is not me. This is one case study, one person's perspective on how they survived Uh, the house on Valencia Street and more so the permission structures around the house on Valencia Street that allowed really horrible things to happen to people uh, and also gave people contrast to grow and change around to find different ways of looking at God as my mama Darlene did. My mama Darlene was a pretty open woman. Uh, Well, it took her a while to get there. She came from a conservative Christian faith and background and a family that was molesting at least eight or nine of us. She was harmed. Then she went on and she had a husband and, you know, uh, it kept going on. It was intergenerational and she got therapy, she got recovery after foster care and emancipation for me. I was getting therapy and recovery and uh, last 10 years of her life, she was my best friend. I consider that to be one of my biggest accomplishments is uh, the two of us healing that relationship and um, I'm real proud. Of my mama <laughs> mm, excuse me i'm getting emotional uh, and that's okay because i get to do hit i get to do that here at the house okay i love darling okay um hi mama how's it going hope you're doing okay up there keeping your twinkle toes warm okay next up I got a website, hey, it's called anchor.fm forward slash MoMA, M-O-H-M-A-H. You can go ahead and peruse over there, take a look at some of my podcasts, take a look at some of the notes, you can donate some money to me. Kind of letting it steep like a teabag. <laughs> that sounds about as sound far right. I put it out there and I know you're supposed to promote things and you're supposed to have websites and you're supposed to have live sessions and uh, merchandise and... and um, I can do this with this content in this way. And I have a feeling that someone's going to come along, and help me shape and mold this if that's what's going to happen, because my goal is to let everybody out there know there's people like you out there surviving. There's people out, out there, that are struggling that uh, their lives are in danger, your life may be in danger. Um, again, more certified therapist, do what you can sometimes talking to the cops is a good idea. Sometimes it's not ask George Floyd, ask Rihanna Taylor, ask a couple other people, huh? Ask my mother, ask me. <laughs> so you got to make a user discernment on that. Sometimes that's gonna take some context clues to put that together. Mental health stuff's kicking up for you. We've got some 800 numbers in the notes, you can give a call to them if something's kicking around, you need someone to just a, hear a voice while you talk about a flashback, because I relate to that. I have those from what was done to me. You're not alone. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, scoot, scoot our boots into this next part here. Um, today, we're going to talk about the mad DJ. Yeah. Okay. About 30 years ago, in a college town in Oregon. I was living in a tenement big brick tenement. It was downtown. Uh, not really downtown. It was halfway between this little quaint downtown and this nice university with this gorgeous campus. The building had hardwood floors and French doors with glass doorknobs and tubs that were longer than your body and boilers in the basement that meant you had a never-ending supply of hot water that you didn't have to pay for. I would look out uh, in my apartment over the laundry room. I'd hear people coming and going below me sometimes, but also that meant there really weren't a lot of people there under me, and it was a little more quiet. I remember looking out the window to one of my professors, beautiful homes, it was craftsman style, I would say our building this big, it looked like a big brick, rectangular lunchbox that was brick. And then when you went inside, there were these beautiful hardwood floors and these inset cabinets with lead glass, uh, you know, when cabinet doors and oh, it was um, I dream of a house uh, craftsman style. Uh, like this, mostly because I, I remember this apartment with quite affection. There was a boy that lived there. Uh, we called him Dougie. He worked at the uh, makeup counter in a nearby city. Uh, he was the first formal gay man I met in about 19, 20, 21 years old. Turns out my sister was staying in this apartment building. Dougie liked to wear white and wear makeup and have curly hair. And he was tall. Good looking. we trade things. I remember one time he was upgrading his sheet sets and he had a Calvin Klein sheet set. And he he was like, well, I'm upgrading my bed. Would you like these? (laughs) He liked Browns. He liked things of this nature. One night he had a little soiree, had several friends over and I met this boy named Mr. Lemon. Yeah. Mr. Lemon was tall uh slender big curly brown hair and big brown eyes um nice smile big teeth big lips long slender neck and uh he had hair on his chest i like the hair on his chest and i liked his smile in the beginning we were just friends well we all we always were friends for 15 years but i didn't see him as like a i was attracted to him then well i mean he was attractive enough it's just that we didn't have that chemistry right. Um, but I was struggled with romantic feelings with this person for 15 years, Mr. Lemon. <laughs> we were talking one day and then we were just talking to this little soiree at Dougie's apartment and uh, sitting around and uh, I was really enjoying this friend and you're uh, we both bodacious and a little bit kooky and I love this energy at this time. So Mr. Lemon and I were talking and somehow we stumbled on philosophy or this or that. I I got a degree in that and I talk about it some and I was just beginning to study this in my early 20s, now in my mid 50s. We started talking about philosophers and this and that and suddenly Mr. Lemon's eyes just got really huge and big on that slender, beautiful face of his and he said, wait a minute, is your name so and so? And do you take this class at at this university? And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh my God. My friend has such a crush on you. He's been talking about you nonstop, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> Turned out that Mr. lemon had a friend that had a philosophy class with me, and this person had a crush on me, and I didn't even know him. So that was interesting. So we're talking about that. It turns out we would end up connecting, and we'd spend a lot of time in this old tenement house they lived at down by the university. And uh, I won't talk about that fella because he was not at honest, and we were lovers, and uh, it hurt emotionally afterwards. Uh, I suspect Mr. Lemon might have been in love with the person I was lovers with too. What do I call him? I'm not going to call him anything. Yeah, Mutual friend, we'll call him that. We mentioned start dancing and I'd start becoming more confident in my dance. Uh, Let's see, I took about 20 PE courses for my undergrad. Later, I've taken at least uh, 10 different types and styles of dance coursework over the years and I'm a member of a dance guild still. My last two partners I met through dance, uh, Contact Improv, Modern, Ecstatic Dance, uh, Gabriel Roth and the Mirrors. That's what. That's another form. We ended up becoming dancers and he was a good dancer, very athletic and strong. And I, I was taking uh, advanced yoga inversions where you stand on your head for 10, 15 minutes or do a back bend um, bridge pose, you do bridge pose for 15, 20 minutes. Um, uh, later i'd end up dating people that say i have a 30 minute plank i could do plank pose for 30 minutes and so that'd be the measure of how strong you were you know there's a lot of strength building you can do with simple objects you know um, mm. mr lemon and i were having a good time we ended up blossoming in this friendship and we'd go lots of places usually dancing eugene or corvallis salem albany uh, lebanon <laughs> little whatever little po dump you go to the coast go to portland We went all over the place dancing we spent about 15 years dancing in oregon and we were match set in some ways because he was about six half a foot taller than me and i was shorter and stockier i perceived myself a little bit like xena warrior princess but just a little stockier yeah and he was like uh, just beautiful he was playful and he would move and when we'd move these arms when we were dancing he'd wear dress shirts and he'd wear these bulky dress shirts to kind of beef himself up because he was so slender and when you dance with somebody like that for so long in so many places, you're kind of like lovers in a way, but you're not, you know? And it was through these years that I started developing feelings for him. Uh, also, I had some emotional issues with bonding. Uh, I was coming from an abusive environment, so I'd do this hot, cold thing, or I'd be, I would was obsessed sometimes. And some of my best erotic poetry was about me talking about making love to Lemon. <laughs> I wanted to... I wanted him and us to be together. Although we didn't have that fit, you know. Also when we go out, you know, uh, he we were kind of wing people for each other, you know, and he was dreadfully shy and he had a lot of people interested in him, but he didn't know really, he didn't have a lot of confidence sometimes. And uh, we had a lot of time, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> well, one night, Lemon and I are going to the 300 Club in Salem, in Oregon, and uh, we're gonna have a wild night. Yeah, we're gonna dance a lot. And sometimes when we were done, we would be, you know, they close at two and we still want to go dance. We might go to our houses and dance at our house till dawn. We've done that now again. And when we go up to Portland, there's a bookstore called Powell's that you probably have heard of. Across the street for about 20 or 30 years was a bank of three gay clubs, Panorama, Briggs, Boxes. I made the trek up there. We'd make the trek up there a couple hours back and forth uh, to be around other people like us, LGBTQ, uh, people who are athletic dancers. And I can remember watching the the dawn come up, standing outside of this blackened (laughs) hallway that was painted black going into this uh, dance club. You know, we're all standing outside and with some rando that you just met dancing that night. And then there's Mr. Lemon there. We're just watching the sun come up. Talk, just feeling exhausted and humming, and just swimming, and all the energy of our bodies combining. You know, we go to the Salem Club this night, and we're going to get our shindig on uh, tonight. There's a different DJ. Uh, this DJ I hadn't seen before. Let me get out there, and I've worn me some fashionable boots. Uh, had a little heel on them, and little strappy leathers around them. And I, I like me some boots, and they're probably my favorite shoes to wear when I'm not exercising. So we're dancing and we're having a good time and the way it is is mm, with lemon being so much taller than me his arms would spread out almost like wings and then sometimes he'd wear these dress shirts with pinstripes and it would almost be like wings opening up and he was big and tall and i could be like sheltering under him i was strong enough to physically pick him up he was strong enough to physically pick him up we love doing stuff like that you know contact improv how strong are you can i lean under you crawl through your legs uh can i lean on your back can can i wrap my arms in yours. And you can see saw me while our backs are to each other. And we go back and forth like little weeble wobbles. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Now we wouldn't do any bigger moves on this particular dance floor at the 300 club in Salem. Uh, Violence would slowly start creeping in. A lot of times it was fucker fight with some of the other hetero people that would come there, you know, the big strong boys. that had football jerseys and just wanted and one I remember one night we had to leave the 300 club because there were tails going there. There were tables flying and there was chairs flying and I saw glass glass And We had to get out of there because we were getting targeted by the homophobes. After that, they hired security and you had to leave your driver's license at the main cage before you could go into the dance club. That way, if you fucked around, uh, they'd have your driver's license. Yeah, so um, and it was gross that they had to do that. But they did because it was unsafe sometimes. Yeah. Here we are having a good time. Little Alan, Alan was there and and Lemon was there and we were dancing and having a good time. Uh, Nine Inch Nails closer. Uh, At one point I remember Alan and I dancing. Now Alan was uh, about my height, although stocky, muscular. And I can remember times when he would jump up on my thigh. And then wrap his body around my waist and i would walk with him carrying him when we would be in dance classes you know and then i i'd do the same i'd wrap my body around his waist and he'd walk with me around his waist you know it was just what could we do with our bodies you know and especially as an incest and rape survivor i became uber athletic and a lot of well not uber i over fixated on exercise because uh it was safe and comfortable it and, and exhilarating and thrilling and gay men didn't want to fuck me <laughs> And maybe I needed intimacy and closeness and this is the way to get it. You know, and I'm not consciously doing this. I'm a kid growing up figuring it out, right? So Alan and I were out on that dance floor and I can remember they'd had the smoke coming in and the lights, bom, 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 you know, nine inch nails closer. Uh, I can remember us kind of writhing against each other a little bit like reptilian scales on a body and feeling his breath on my skin and smelling his cologne. Just his body smell, he smelled good. He liked to pick me up. Uh, We liked to ride against each other and be close and become just energy. We weren't people anymore. We were just melding and we were anonymous and it was safe, you know? And I can remember at the end of that song one night with Alan that night, I can remember, and it ended and we were just like, oh my God, you know, and then it ends and we're just standing there, both single people, lonely. This feels good. incompatible sexually. Um, Alan and I didn't have a, you know, we weren't gonna be lovers that way. I, we didn't have that kind of chemistry, obviously, with the orientation stuff, but dancing stuff and passion wise, yeah. So I just remember at the end of this, we just get done and we pull each other out of this, we're like, oh my Lord. And he just grabs me and he lays this big, strong, hard kiss on me and he pulls back and he goes, if you were a man, I would fuck you so hard right now. And then he walked off. <laughs> and i just kind of stood there going what just happened i don't know but i think i want to smoke a cigarette and i don't smoke tobacco oh okay that's alan so then we kind of meander on here comes mr lemon and i and we're dancing we're having a good time being stupid a couple hours in we're laughing and giggling he's being comical i'm being comical and uh joking around and then my feet were killing me my boots were killing me they looked good but i had some blisters so i took my shoes off had my socks on here we are dancing okay now i mentioned there was this dj going okay the floor is like a big old square about 50 by 50 feet at the end of it's a rectangle with a box glass and that's where all the dj equipment is with the door uh, a lot of times for safety you'd put the equipment in there so it don't get stolen or what have you up at the end of that with all the lights and the smoke and everything at the dj booth was this woman number one she was about one two feet above us right and then she was also taller than that she was easily she was taller than lemon and lemon was six feet tall my dance buddy she was taller than him but not not only that uh we're talking the early 90s right now 1990s her hair her hair was um, if you've ever seen the video Kaja uh, by the band kaja gugu called too shy or uh, if you've seen a uh, Flock of Seagulls, and I ran, <laughs> her hair was straight up. Her hair was straight up, about uh, mm, four to six inches, a brunette, uh, shaved on the sides a little bit, uh, like a gentle mohawk, just a couple inches up on the side. But her hair looked like a big pom pom. It was going straight up. It was not curly hair. It was just straight hair, and it didn't look like she'd straightened. It looked like she had na- naturally straight hair, but it was just a lion's mane going straight out of her head. I think Cher had a big silver uh, headpiece one time that Bob Mackie made for her that was about the same one. It was like a bunch of lines coming out of her head, and it was like a crown on the outside. It was similar to that. Her hair was huge, and she was huge, wearing a sensible blazer uh, with hips about mm, about 50% wider than me, about 50% to 200% wider than me. She was huge. She was huge. And she was spending some good tunes. And we'd make some requests. And when you make requests, you drop a dollar or two. Say, could you play the song for us? Thank you so much. And I I was enamored by her. I was scared of her. And I was turned on by her. And I remember looking at her going, what? I don't understand how I feel about this person. And what's going up? You know. Watching her moving in in her sensible blazer with her uh, jean, her black denim jeans. I think they were dark jeans. I remember they were dark, sensible jeans. (laughs) Lamin and I were dancing and being kooky. And after a couple hours, uh, I took my boots off. Yeah, took my boots off. And so I'm watching this big stallion, well, not stallion, this big, huge monolith of a woman. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, I think I'm aroused by I don't understand my, you know. I'm young and I'm like, I'm turned on, but I'm confused. So we're dancing going, oh my God, this is so fantastic. And then (laughs) I take my boots off and I'm dancing with my sock and feet on the floor with socks on the floor. And suddenly I see that door open on that little DJ booth. And it's like, bam, and then this big, tall fucking woman. Now I mentioned Raven the Amazon a couple weeks ago on this podcast. She's a tall woman, but she's maybe 5'9", 5'11". This woman's taller than her physically, then she has another six feet of hair on top of her stand straight up. Okay, brunette. And uh, <laughs> we're dancing just going, yeah, you know, and I gotta say, I, we probably were kind of obnoxious and I don't know if I would have been tolerating it at my age these days. She was also more mature than I, she was older than I was. But this big huge woman comes stomping over like and she's looking at me like she's pissed and she looks like a big red bull coming straight at you she was like a bull going Rrr! and she was beelining right for me and i was scared and i was I was scared and turned on i didn't understand what's happening and she comes straight at me and she's just like she comes up to me she stops straight about six inches from me gets right up in my face and she's got her finger pointed at me she goes put your boots on (laughs) put your boots on that's what she said to me and i was i I was stunned and i was shocked and she was right probably uh but i had blisters in my feet and i wanted to keep dancing so i was confused so i i i i I said oh yeah okay okay and then she stomped right back into that thing she slammed the door she kept playing the music (laughs) So i put my boots on and i kept dancing but i was wincing and it hurt but i was having fun and um lemon and i (laughs) (laughs) i think it was around this time lemon and i I remember us having a picnic or going for a hike or something we spent a lot of time together meditating praying sometimes we'd spend evenings making dinner Uh, We'd like to do dinners together and we turn on the music and he'd take his shirt off and we'd light some candles and we'd dance together in the dark for hours. And I remember it was one night Lemon pushed me up against the wall and (laughs) his shirt off and it was dark and he smelled good and he looked good and I, I, I wanted him. I, I wanted him with everything I had. I. I, I would have written bad checks. I mean, I was, give it to me. I, I gotta have you, you know? And he was gay. He was gay. He wasn't just a little guy. He was the guy who looks at a diagram of a woman's uh, genitals and kind of shrivels up and kind of looks like he's scared of a spider. That He was that kind of gay, you know? <laughs> we were never gonna be lovers, but we were kind of lovers, you know what I mean? He'd asked me if, uh, when we turned 35, if uh, we'd have a child together. He asked if neither of us is married and we were single, if, you know, we thought about it. We would joke about it and laugh about it. Well, you know, get to 35. We don't have kids. We could have kids. You know, you'll have a kid together. Yeah. Okay. We joke and laugh about that. And then I remember when we turned 35, we were still hanging out some, and uh, he kind of gently approached me. We were sitting one night and he goes, "Um, remember that conversation we had, you know, about us having a child when we were 35? He said, "Um, would you be into it? And he, um, he remembered and he wasn't being over the top and he was uncertain and he was a little confused, but he wanted to be a parent. And he wanted to see if we could be parents together. I didn't want to be a parent as it turned out. And I'd have to t- well physically, I-, I love taking care of kids I put 15 years 20 years into my nieces, and nephews, before our ideologies kind of made it impossible for us to communicate with conservative Christian ideology and my Buddhism. But uh, oh, there was all these breathtaking parts that we got to share with each other that we couldn't really get in other ways, but we could get with each other. Also, we had some emotional issues, I had some boundary issues. Uh, and I needed therapy, I, I realized looking back now I probably was a handful. Yeah. But we uh, finished up the night of dancing with the the mad DJ that night. (laughs) After she was put your boots on for the rest of our relationship. uh, If we were communicating, uh, that phrase would wander around for the rest of our friendship. And after about 15 years, it atrophied our relationship and friendship and we know we aren't friends anymore. Although there was a time when he showed me many things. And I loved him deeply. and uh, But on the drive home, I remember coming from Salem, getting in the car, it's 2, 3 in the morning. We're fried. We're sweaty. We're lonely. We love each other. And driving home. And I kept going, can you fucking believe what the fuck? Put your boots around. You know, we just we laughed and laughed and laughed. And I still couldn't figure out if she was attracted to me or not. Or, you know, it kind of reminded me of that song by Melissa Etheridge, I Know You're Crazy for Me. Yeah, because when I kissed you last night in my own backyard, you ran so fast and you fought so hard. Yeah, I know you're crazy for me. Yeah, Well, to pause. Uh, everyone should be consenting, always be consenting. Although sometimes when you're negotiating a relationship and intimacy, sometimes there's a little bit of a fight going on. So uh, to clarify, I still love that song by Melissa Etheridge, but that's how I felt about that DJ. <laughs> I was like, I think there's some, I don't know what, what is this? So. Just understand, though, one thing I did learn is that I wouldn't make that choice now if I kick it off my shoes. I probably bring sensible shoes because I'm <laughs> mature <laughs> or boring. But uh, I guess the, the lesson for today is uh, when you go dancing, you better keep your boots on, okay? Because otherwise, you don't know what kajiguku hair might be coming after you. And uh, about two, 300 pounds of a woman say, you better put your fucking boots on, okay? Yeah? Okay. Well. Hey, thanks for coming to the house on valencia street i really enjoyed wandering back there again and i really enjoyed the mad dj yeah please understand that you're never alone you're never going to be alone and maybe if you're wandering around with the right friend you might stumble on one of you mad mad DJ. there's plenty of djs you know if you go on several dating sites you're going to find a lot of djs yeah okay so <laughs> Anyway, no, you're not alone. Not at the house on Valencia Street. Sometimes it's uh, whether you like it or not, huh?